Got You Covered, a true real estate podcast. We are an office of realtors that manage to learn from the best with the worst teaching techniques. However, we survived with stories and lessons to tell. The goal is to help skip the pitfalls while enjoying the laughs and lessons learned. So no matter the real estate woe, we got you covered. We have a two-part series with the Kings of Wood Street. Make sure you tune in next week so you don't miss what they have to say. Welcome. This is Christy Crane, and I've got Danny Hughes and John D. Raffaelli. We have a special treat for y'all today. So, (laughs) (laughs) I would love to hear first how you all met. Because, you know, I do not know this story. Kings of Wood Street. <laughs> <laughs> the he, pun, was a, yeah. he was a cowboy, and I was a cowboy. And uh, we were riding around in our fake little uh, horses, stick stick cowboy <laughs> horses back then. Then one day a pony came along. Guy was taking pictures. Remember that, Husey? Uh-huh. Still got Husey it. Husey still got his picture. But, uh, and then we just... About six on, we were roaming the streets. Of That's which, uh, yeah, of the, which no lo- no older than six. Uh, yeah, you know they'd walk around the neighborhood and you know photograph you know you on a horse and they put you know a cowboy hat on you and everything. You do it in your backyard and they go to the next house. You know, take a little picture of us. Yeah, and, uh, but uh, Doctor Hughes uh, was an optometrist in Texarkana and dear good friends with mother. Maybe she sold him their house. I don't know. She saw, got to know him that way or however, but she and your mom and dad, dad's mom and dad became good friends. And Danny and I were, when, were really buddies when we were young, and it's an interesting family relationship, but Danny had a bigger, older brother. Jerry was more like Tommy's age and Reba's age between there, I think, and Danny was closer to my age a year older, but that, you know, well, they, my birthday was February, I, what was yours? Fall? When's your birthday? September. September, yep. yeah, in the fall. So he, he was a year ahead of me because he could go to school because he turned to, you know, uh-huh, for December. Right. Yeah, school, he, he qualified. I didn't. Well, so that's why I went to St. James. My yeah. mother, the public school wouldn't take me. Oh. <laughs> they wanted me to wait another year. My mother said, he's going to St. James. <laughs> yes, she wanted <laughs> They'd take me. <laughs> that's true. Uh, <laughs> Danny, Danny's mom, uh, child raising was to find somebody to raise them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially this. <laughs> and, 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 and let them run. So we, we she let, she, get, getting us off to school or camps or anything else was an always an acceptable option. I, I can remember. It is. <laughs> yeah, my, my brother, he was the first born. So he, my dad was like gadgets, cars, you know, and took thousands of pictures you know my brother when i came along he said hell y'all looked alike so hell i didn't need to take any and uh, then one time i was telling my mother and i was probably about 10 i said there's not any pictures of me you know every time you go through uh-huh. photos stuff i said i must have been adopted my, and i thought it was hilarious she said if you were adopted i wouldn't have picked you <laughs> I fell out laughing. I didn't even have a comeback. <laughs> didn't have a comeback yeah, I said that's a great answer. You know that's funny. You know that she said because you were one of two. I was one of five. Oh Stephen's yeah. Stephen's the oldest. Then Lewis, then Reba, then Tommy, then me. 
So there's all these pictures of Stephen and Lucy. Firstborn. Yeah, firstborn. And Reba being the only girl. And it seemed like Tommy got his but the only pictures of me was when Stephen was holding me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure they were taking a picture of They're me. They're like, I'm done taking <laughs> But if Stephen, every picture I'm in, Stephen's in. Now, I'm not exactly sure. And they did look alike. <laughs> you know, people say, you know, they say, well, we saw a guy look like Tommy or look like Stephen. I said, oh, John D's must be in town. <laughs> anyway, but I used to complain about the same thing. But we, we are blessed to have had you know, Texarkana's always had wonderful neighborhoods. I mean, you know, uh, where the people do get to know their neighbors, and, and it's a community, at least then, and I yes. think still so. I know in Lewis, and, or, you know, they, they know their neighbors around them or what's going on around them and uh, neighborhood activities and things. So we had, you know, we had a, the Barlows were down the street, and Richter, other people around. Bledsoe's. Bledsoe's, yeah. The Wrights, uh, but they were older than us, the Wright brothers. And yeah. The Wrights were kind of coming to the table. Yeah, that used they to They wouldn't run with us, but they, they were good-looking boys, the Wright boys, so Reba would sit out in the front yard <laughs> and, and watch them Is cut Is that their, why she's so Kool-Aid every cut, day? Watch them cut their grass and work in their yard, <laughs> you know, hoping to get their attention. It well, that used work. to be the Morris's house, didn't it? <laughs> Next Morris to the Heath. Behind us. Uh, well, I mean, but they, it seemed like they moved from Wood Street. Oh, yeah, and the house where the rights were, yeah. he's, and I still talked to Randy. He, you know, they were next door to the rights or Morris's, you know. So, so we still know the old neighbors, you know. Uh -huh. And you had Mr. Nelson had the printing company Nelson Print Printing Nelson downtown. Print. Yeah. So I mean, you know, the, what was that kind of? You know, it was an in, that was the most active business community. You know, the, the street, you know, like Pleasant Grove and other areas. The town kind of moved this way when it was moving that way, that way back then. It, it had gone from downtown to people being way out. Well, on they the had cars. All of a sudden, yeah, you had cars, and all of a sudden, going being at 30 old whatever Wood Street or uh, 33rd, you know, all the way out, didn't seem like that far anymore. Well, how? It used to be, oh, he's way out there on Wood Street. You know, the granddad, you know, the way they listened or talked, I mean, if it was more than mile they thought they'd travel somewhere <laughs> yeah the highland park was considered kind of the spring lake park because my mother said when they first moved there spring lake park was, you know about two three years before i was born said spring lake park was a one-room schoolhouse that was country really? wow yeah and, and john d and i were little we got caught throwing dirt or rocks or dirt you know cars that drove by you know they were putting curbs out and resurfacing you know wood street was just a kind of a Pleasant Grove type road, you know, no curves and just barely paved with oil. And I remember one time we—you probably threw it—and we were behind the dirt piles from the construction of the road. And hell, that car stopped. And we hauled ass. <laughs> it never was good to be the slowest one in our group. <laughs> You're the one that always got caught. <laughs> but, but actually, Glenwood, the, the whole development of Texas moved out. Uh, Mm -hmm. Towards our area, and then Broke it Mr. Loose. Patman was able to uh, actually his father, right? Patman, funny story. You know where? Um, what, what was the school on Texas Boulevard all the way at the end? It wasn't that Spring Springlet Park, Park, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, they were deciding where to put Vidocs back then, and and Springlet Park was a small thing then. Huh? So instead of putting it 
down there at Spring Lake Park, Wright Patman had him put it at 40th Street, which then opened up into Glenwood, which happened to be owned by Connor Patman. Yes, sir. So, <laughs> so that opened it up. Uh, but he got him to move the, the plan from putting it out up there to, to the other up further. That opened up all of Glenwood. And Connor Patman had a construction company, a real estate company, and he was a lawyer. And the way we ended up, you know, after Daddy had passed and Mother had gotten a real estate license with Mary, you know, she went to work with Connor. She did the real estate sales, and Mother and Stephen really got into that side of the game and business with them. Mm -hmm. Tommy liked the construction game, and so he hung around with the guy who was Mr. Patman's foreman. Remember him? Yeah, I do. I can't remember his name, but I'm, I know who and, you're talking and, about. And then uh, that's how the Glenwood and that area came <laughs> to about. And he had the, pretty much the exclusive construction rights in addition to build, you know, to owning the lots. So, uh, and during that time, Danny became pretty close to Tommy. You know, more of those years. Maybe we got to the college years, and I was. Always gone. Danny somehow started running around with Tommy and Steve. <laughs> as he as well, he came back from TCU and started his business life of being rent, renting TVs and selling TVs and and then investing whatever. in real estate. <laughs> and well, he and Tommy and Steve would sit around talking about places to buy. <laughs> well, see, and you know how Potomac floods. Okay. You can blame Connor for that. That this is what Dad told me. He, I said, why why in the hell did they not? You know, pipe it. For, and you say, well, Connor knew about it, but when he found out it cost a million dollars to get that rainwater not to be on the street, it cost a million dollars. He said, put it on the street. Name <laughs> and then named all the streets after rivers. Yeah. <laughs> so he catches all that water. <laughs> all those streets are named after rivers, if you hadn't noticed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Brazos, Hudson. All about water. He just made a little fun. Man, had a little... Hey. A little of an inside joke for himself. <laughs> so now you know why it floods on Potomac. He didn't want to put the underground sewers. No, he wouldn't either. Well, no, but I'm not, not even, there's not a builder out there who wants to put extra. No. Oh, yeah. If you can't see it, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's kind of like I do dirt at the house. If you can't see it, I ain't going to pull it out. But anyway. And what happened after that? So you started hanging out. How did you start? Well, just I when moved, I came. I moved property. to D.C. And, and I was out of town. I was gone basically since the age of 20. And Danny came back to Texas. Yeah, yeah. And after TCU. Yeah, I stayed there a couple start of years. With? You started out in the accounting business with Witt or something, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I worked for Jim Witt, you know, Henderson, you know, mm -hmm. Whiff. I saw Jim about a month ago. How come everybody gets old but me? <laughs> yeah, but I look at, you know, I don't notice it because I see myself in the mirror every morning. So, but everybody else seems to get older, you know. And that's one. Of, that's the worst thing about getting older is watching your parents get older. Yes. And having problems. That's what bothered me. Watching my dad get old. You know, I said, Golly, you know. Remember when he used to chase me around to whoop my ass? <laughs> you know. But anyway, but I worked for an accounting firm because I had an accounting degree. I think I did, whatever it was. And uh, and Bob White came along, 
good friend, and, or now he is. And he had me do a couple of things, and he said, why don't you just come work for me? I said, I don't know, you know, you know. And he said, quit counting other people's money. I'll teach you how to make money. Okay. That, that still sticks with me. Uh-huh. You know, and so anyway, so I went and talked to Whiff. I said, Whiff, this, you know, you know Bob White? He said, yeah. I said, you know, he's wanting to hire me. I don't know. He said, he said, he said, give it a try. And he said, if it doesn't work out, you'll always have a desk here. And I said, well, you made it easy. <laughs> I don't know if he meant it. Didn't take him up on it. You know, but anyway, made it easy to go to work for him. And the funny background story, when I was in Texas County Community College, Bob White was selling Kirby vacuum cleaners. Yep. And I, you know, Lewis and Stephen had both done Cutco. Uh-huh. And Lewis actually did pots and pans, too. I don't think Stephen ever did pots and pans. He was strictly a good old guy. But they were good at it, and they did pretty well with it. Uh, and when they were in college, stuff, they'd, they'd go to a sorority house or whatever, and they'd get those gals to buy his knives or whatever, in addition to just walking to apartments and to young couples needing, needing pots and pans or knives. But anyway, they did it. Uh, and I they said, weren't oh, cheap. I'll try that. I'll try something. No, they weren't. So I tried the Kirby vacuum cleaner thing. Bob fired me. <laughs> I think I got one vacuum cleaner sold, and he said, you may not be out. <laughs> he, uh, I didn't know you did that. The only sale I got was one that Bob went with me, and he did most of the talking, and then gave me credit for the sale. <laughs> well, Bob always said, you know, he, he'd run through people. You know, he said, nothing. Uh, he said, I'd hire a guy from Red River. They'd quit their job, and their wife would call me just a bitching. You know, getting you know, talking them into come sell vacuum cleaners door to door, leaving their job. And he said, you know, he said nine out of ten um, couldn't sell anything. But you just, you, more people you hired, they all had to buy their sample. Yeah. So Bob says, I, every time I hire somebody, I got you know at least once, sale. one sale, you know. And then he said you try to talk them into having two because they'd always sell one to their mother or their brother, or they'd always could sell one. So he said, I'd get two sales out of everybody I hired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and those things, he sold them for like $300. They weren't cheap. Oh, yeah. Right yeah. It was a rent-to-own deal early in birth. Yeah, and, you know, and he called them dirt pumps, you know. And uh, Is that how you got in the, is that how Bob and you got in the rent-to-own business? Well, Bob was already in, he just started in the rent-to-own business when he hired me. He just started. And it was a runaway freight train because he was one of the first in Texarkana. And, oh, man. They, and you, you know, because these people were, weren't what? used to being able to buy anything because their credit was terrible. Uh-huh. And nobody wanted to touch them other than Dow's Furniture. Now, Dow's Furniture, Bobby Dow was in the rent-to-own business before he called it rent-to-own. He'd market up so much, you know, because I used to collect for Bobby when I was in high school. Uh, I mean, he, I mean, if you could fog a mirror, he'd sell you. You didn't have to have any money. And your credit history was immaterial. He'd just charge enough for the ones that pay to cover the ones Bob, that don't. When did you leave Bob and start Imagination or whatever? Uh, I can't tell you. Early 80s. Early 80s. Is it that, that, that early? Yeah. Texas Boulevard used to be. Or not Texas, uh, New Boston Road used to be the main road in town. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Sort of like Summerhill and Richmond are today, uh, in terms of business traffic, and you know, the Oakline Shopping Center was down there. That's before Danny, the mall. Danny was over there on State on that street and all the other. You know. Yeah. You ended up having quite a few stores, didn't you? Yeah. How many did you end up with at one point? I'll probably well, rent on probably about ten or fifteen, but you know back then you know what got me out of it, Curtis Mathis went under. And that was a Curtis Mathis dealer. But what was Curtis good? Mathis was a, a high-end television, when and they were big box. But they were a high-end. Most they expensive. Were, most the best TV made. So everybody, you know, that's kind of what you want, you know. And flat screens first came in. You know, Curtis Mathis had a new thing on, you know, higher quality screen. And but, you know, remember, I mean, flat screen TV when it first came out was like five thousand yeah. dollars. That was thirty years ago. Whatever it's been, 30, 40 years ago, yeah, or 25, 30 years, I guess. Uh, Twenty years. When did flat screens come along? They were like, remember, they, they were like have? five grand. And uh, I guess so. Yeah, that's scary. And now you can buy one for a few hundred bucks, right? Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. That yeah. Old, but yeah. That was forced on us, though, in my opinion. I'm always conspiracy. <laughs> the Japanese could put more flat screens. TVs on, on a ship. container on than they could those big old consoles. So they said, hell, let's just make a flat screen and force it on. Cause, well, I remember when they first came out, you know, people just didn't like them. But they weren't as flat as they are now. You know, they were thicker. But they were still heavy. Yeah. Yeah, they still had tube technology. Yeah. And, I remember picking that first one up. I was like, yeah, Lee. And now you're just like, mm-hmm. All right, Miss Crane. Now you tell us about you. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get you off to you later. Why'd you end up in real estate? Well, we. Um, I'm already telling you, but let me tell y'all. Tell us the real story. So I was actually working at Harley Davidson as the motor clothes manager, and I don't know how. I think Century Twenty One had a posting or something as they were looking for uh, help and it was to help one of the agents there who did like he was a fireman so he needed somebody to fill in when he was out of office and he handled all foreclosures and different things so I got hired in on that and then I was just like I can do this so I started doing it and been doing it ever since and I love it well that's good Yeah, you get to meet a lot of people and get to know Texarkana. Huh? And so I find these stories very interesting because I, I'm not from here, so I didn't know New Boston Road was so big at one point because you see all the businesses kind of shutting down. Oh, yeah. Car dealerships were even on New Boston Road. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't even know that. So these stories are very interesting to me. Where are you from? Kansas City, Missouri. Okay. All right. Yeah, no, New Boston Road was the world back when we were growing up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and in real estate, I mean, mother, you know, obviously lost her husband. She had five kids, high school education. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. So daddy had a real estate business and got brought her into it when he got in bad health and she started learning real estate. And then originally went with Tom Wooten. Yeah, I remember that. And, and Tom Wooten was not as honorable a guy as Connor Patman. He, and, you know, he, he wasn't giving Name her the kind of opportunities <laughs> to, 
to make it and stuff. And Connor was doing this big development, and uh, Mother was doing well and selling. Yeah. And so Connor asked Mother if she wanted to be his partner and offered her half, offered him half the company on the real estate sales side, and that's why she went with him. And because uh, then she could earn her commissions, but she could also bring other people in to sell and do the other things. And he, of course, had a lot of properties. I mean, he was a he was a good person to go with because he had a lot of listings and a lot of right. opportunities for you. And building houses, new yeah, houses, and he yeah. Was building, so he did mine. Yeah. Well, I remember your but, mother being Wooten. Well, she used to be next door to my dad. You know, they call it the Herald Building now. That old white building next to the Grimm. Yes. They used to call it Medical Arts Building. And, used to, and uh, my dad was in there, and yep, your mother was. Car building. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tom Wooten was in there. Yeah, yeah, I remember your mother being Maybe next door. Maybe that's how he, my mother and dad got close. I don't know the real history there. But yeah. Yeah, and what I learned from watching all that was, and then watching the whole real estate world, is look, women historically are, are, are your better salespeople because when it comes to real estate, the wife is usually controlling the decision in a large degree, or they got a lot of influence at the time. And so the reality was, Women knew how to connect with women and all that thing. And as I watched Stephen be successful in real estate versus mother, who always sort of under could connect with another woman, find out what they wanted, how to, and then go through her head, having lived here forever, the inventory of op opportunities, either listings or not. Stephen was one who always was the inquisitive one. He would talk to you about trying to find out what you wanted, whatever, and then. If he came up with an idea, it wasn't exactly that. He'd start selling you on why this was even better. I mean, he believed yeah. in doing it. But he was smart enough, and, and, and the beauty of having been in Texarkana all his life, mother being in the real estate business, you know, him and knowing the history. When you, And I've seen Jen already do this same thing. The house doesn't have to be listed to be for sale. Yeah. And if you, or if you find a house that you know really fits what a friend wants or somebody wants, then you create those double opportunities. You get them to go buy that house and you sell theirs. Yeah. And I think you did something similar with the court, you know. With the, uh, so yeah, it's a similar. You see some if you get to know people. And Stephen was made up for not being a woman by asking the questions and yeah. then getting the information uh, as a you know in a way that mother used to. And he but he also had the creativity and how to put the deal together, the financial side with his college degree business background you know uh he had desire gone, he'd gone to law school huh the, and it, his know, desire he wanted to put the he, deal together he liked he liked solving other people's problems he didn't want to solve his own problems <laughs> he's, he's <laughs> a shoe guy he's a shoe guy who's gonna make shoes for everybody <laughs> no i ain't gonna make any i'm not gonna sign. i'm gonna let mine have a hole in it or i'm gonna let my kids will but yeah he, but he loves sure. solving other people's problems you know they just seemed like a challenge to him that he liked his problem i don't want my challenges i don't like my problems i don't go mess with that but but he would work at, at figuring out how to figure out a way to do the deal which is what he really brought to the table different than my mother my mother knew how to find what you liked, they liked, or how to help sell it. Uh, Stephen learned how to learn, how to ask and figure out people, and then he would creatively say, "You know, I'm going to talk to so and so. He'll, he may, you know, he He was he was creating sales, not just mm -hmm. taking listings and selling when people walk in and say, "I want to buy." You know, he he was always proactively, and 
Uh, Danny was the same way in, in his game. You know, he's chasing that game, chasing that business. But, you know, it's, it, it's a, a mindset of a salesperson, a really good salesperson uh, that knows, you know, that, that enjoys getting the, putting up people with stuff, getting them something sold, making money, whatever is driving you that day. But it's, uh, you're, you're always thinking about ways to make a deal. You're not just waiting on a deal. So in, in this industry, particularly real estate, you can always have cycles where anybody could sell real estate. Yeah. And, and then you're gonna have cycles where you wonder how the heck can I get a sale yeah. and keep running yeah, every yeah, day, yeah. you know? Yeah. And because it is a, we always say it, but people forget quickly it is cyclical. So there's gonna be a down when, you know, after an up. <laughs> yeah. And you know, we've had a big up and you know, and now you're seeing higher interest rates and it'll slow down. They're a little harder to do transactions, to find the right thing. They can economically work and physically work for the person who wants it. It's harder. It's harder work. I think. But I don't know. I mean, you you do it every day, so you know, you, you tell me. Have you seen a difference? Oh yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. now that you've been in the business a few years. COVID made it crazy. Mm -hmm. Just busy like crazy. And then now it's starting to. I always say I feel like it's going into a a buyer's market again. Instead of, because it's been a seller's market for how many years now? <laughs> and I feel like it's going back to being a buyer's market. Yeah. And that's, I mean, the, the side of selling was one thing and the side of buying was the other. Mm -hmm. But Stephen, Stephen, mother bought very strategically, straight line depreciated everything and just kind of picked up things where she, and, and had rental properties that, that she'd want. But not nearly to the degree of st that Stephen decided to be both a real estate owner and, and developing almost, you know, like the Fernwood stuff and the other oh, project. Yeah. He he wanted to create. He when you don't have money, you got to use leverage. <laughs> you know, and and you know, but leverage can be risky, and and there were certainly times. I think Steve, uh, we we probably were too took on too much risk. We had a, at one time we had a. Stephen had a mill workshop, <laughs> construction. I remember operation. that. Remember the millwork and the construction and a title company and a real estate company. Well, when real estate goes bad, which of those four do you think does well? <laughs> and the answer is none of the above. <laughs> and so if, if you're going to have multiple <coughs> lines of business, you might want to try to make sure that they, the, the cycle of economic life of those businesses don't run together. Well, by the, by the so Sheridan. When one's down, the other's up, as opposed to four down and four up. You know? So when things were good, they were good. <laughs> when things were bad, they could they get real bad. tough. <laughs> You know, and you're scrambling, you know, you just want to get past the first of the month then. <laughs> you know, get the mortgages paid or you, for the best. Well, I, well not the, Stephen diversified. <laughs> they bought that pizza place on New Boston Road. Yeah. We we'll did. see. Ken's Pizza. Y yeah. He I bought that pizza. And I can remember Tommy saying, telling me when Domino Pizza was coming in, Tommy said, no way you can deliver pizza and make any money. So I don't know, you know, I don't eat pizza, so I'm, I'm okay because it has cheese on it. I opened, John, I opened up Johnny's Robo down the street, Robo Car Wash. I remember that. Next to Oakland Shopping Center. Th that was the car wash went under, and I said, <coughs> the guy wanted to sell it. I said, well, it would be easier to sell if it was operating. I said, well, don't, why don't you see if he'll let me operate it and I can keep the money. And that's how I bought my uh, 
SS-396 from Bobby Dowd's son, Kirk. Kirk, huh? <laughs> good guy. That's how I got my 69-396. Baby, I was a hot car. <laughs> that, was, that was child abuse, though, to get you in that car wash. That sounds like Steve. Oh, we'll make, we'll make some money. And... We'll make some money on that. But, <laughs> but you know, the, being in the real estate business, Danny's been there. I mean, I remember one time, Danny's business had cycles, too. And, oh, and Danny one time said, you want to know what pressure is? Pressure is having to go borrow cash against your credit card to make the payroll this week. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought about that. I said, oh, I don't think I'm going to do that. That's 18% money. <laughs> but when you're, go, when you're going and taking out cash. You on can't pay employees with TVs. <laughs> uh, you know. uh, that was kind of interesting times. Oh, <laughs> when, yeah. When, what when, I when did. you were selling, when you were doing investment properties, or when you were selling the TVs? Selling TVs. TVs that was yeah. That's what's good about what I do now. Or like, in, you know, employees, you know, are expensive. Yeah. I don't know how these, I got dealers out there. I, I say, how do you pay these delivery guys $18, $20 plus workman's comp, plus the taxes? Yeah. I said, it's costing you 1000 a week. And I said, I just can't, can't imagine how they even make money. You know, whereas me, you know, I don't have a payroll and, uh, well, I do my daughter, but uh, but you know, I just don't. The small businesses, you know, shoot, they're having a hard time. Yeah. At least my furniture stores are. They can't find the help, and if they do, you know, it costs you know it costs some money because you take twenty dollars times forty. Right. That's eight hundred right there without taxes or you know insurance and oh, it's awful. It's awful. I don't know how they do it. I really don't. Apparently some of them do, but I'm seeing more and more just on the edge. You know, furniture stores, independent, they're having a hard time. They really are. There are some diamonds in the rough that are, you know, but they're the ones that carry their own paper. They they control the credit. If you don't control the credit, I tell furniture people, if you can't control your credit, you, you won't make it. That's what's I've seen a lot go out of business, or they start. I think even on the state line, you'll see them pop up, and then all of a sudden they'll be gone. Yeah, yeah. Quick. Well, the cash buyer's king, and he's going to ch check the internet before he even buys anything right. from you. Yeah. I mean, I do the same thing. I know. I know. Heck, if I, I see something too. on Twitter or Facebook, I just I go over there and look it up on the internet. So, well, heck, I can buy it cheaper directly uh, instead yeah. of going to that ad and click an order right. I buy my cigars online you know so anyway it's just tough out there realty you know real estate's going to be changing I don't know what to right. but nowadays heck you you know look online and y'all got all these videos and hiding all the flaws <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that <laughs> <laughs> but anyway it's just business well, I mean, is changing the, the how you market real estate The videos and the things that y'all file or put online all the time, or you know, you know, I get way too many emails from your brother uh, because I'm on his distribution. <coughs> and he sells them. But unsubscribe. Even, unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> unsubscribe. Even my wife commented. Yeah, I get a lot of emails from Steve. <laughs> but I mean, that—that's the way the game's played in big city, like where he's at right now. Right. I don't know if that's true in Texas. But he—he's constantly 
Yeah, I got one, I think, today. I opened it up and thought he might be emailing me about something uh, important like our I referral business. <laughs> <laughs> he was letting me know that referrals are a way a lot of realtors get business. And that yeah. if he thanked me for my bad, <laughs> he, he, we bought a house through him uh, <coughs> last year or whenever we bought the lands out. And he, 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 he did a great job, I gotta say. Saved me about 25 grand. Oh, good. Uh, no, no complaints, but he, he, once he gets you on his list, baby, then he don't let loose of you. <laughs> and he, you know, because exactly what that email said, that's where a lot of business comes from, is just constantly keeping in touch with the people you sold a home for or sold to. And you got a friend looking for a home, let me know, I'll, I'll help you. you know, it just shows that you care about them, once you're thinking about them and things mm -hmm. like that. Guarantee you, Steve Raphael would never send an email like that in his business because, I mean, hell, email, <coughs> email's been around now for 40 years, but for guys like him, it, it was. He was never, already with the client now, driving around. Yeah, he just. He used to call oh. me and be like, hey, I'm in front of your listing, can I show it? And I'm like, no, <laughs> you gotta have, you gotta give notice. <laughs> yeah, no, that, his approach was just going, oh. uh, He already he, had him in the car. He used to tell you a story about it. Can't get in a house. <laughs> well, I told that story, yeah. yeah. No, that, that, Tommy that, couldn't get in it. He yeah. couldn't get a hold of the doctor. I mean, you know, Stephen will get in. So we go. Yeah. <laughs> I got to get in. I got to get in. But, I mean, that, it was a different, that was his way of chasing work. And Steve, you know, young Stephen's doing the same thing. But, and you're doing it with your videos and other ways of just keeping out there in the public. Um, I mean, I'd like to think, you know, when you've been in town as long as A little bit of an advantage and an ability to think about how to take care of your customers' needs when they tell you what they want to buy, or, or what, particularly in the buying side of it. Is that you know you're uh, you got somebody who knows the community, knows the towns, mm -hmm. knows the history of homes, what that people might be willing, you know, those kinds of things that don't come uh, until you build up a book of, of knowledge of the of the of the product you're selling. Yeah. And the one thing our granddad was. My grandfather was in the real estate business. <laughs> he had his, his rental of houses back when, you know, on 3rd and 4th Street, over in uh, that area of town, Liberty Isle, back over in that area when it was the hot part of town. But he had a few places and stuff. But you, you, if you learn the community, you, know, you learn the history, and you're here long, long, you see the houses built, you see the developments, you see the things, that, then you've got a knowledge base when your customer comes in that others don't have. Mm -hmm. and, and Stephen was a man. He could remember if this He was amazing when he would go, Oh, that used to be so on. Then he would say, and then, you know, and then, you know, Dan bought it, and then the Cranes bought it, and then, this, you, know, and that, you know, he could tell you the history of them. But that got harder as the city grew. Yeah. And he, uh, he, Travis Malden, who was of his generation, and he and Travis was probably one of the best in the town in the real estate game on the financial side, yes. the banks and, and savings and loans. He, he would, and we were talking year 10, 15 years ago. He says, you know, and it used to be where Steve and I could tell you every house in this town, where who used to own it or who had it, whatever. Yeah, we're, we're losing it. <laughs> he says, this town's grown too much. We can't keep up. And our mind don't want to know all that. <laughs> so it gets harder to do it that way. Yeah. So you need a new technologies and advantages to do it because as the city's grown, it's, it's a different product today. But so you have to. As y'all are doing, 
continuing to update your ways of communicating with your community and uh, making them aware of you. But uh, where are you? Of course, we're going to talk about you two. Uh, where do your customers come from? Like Dallas, or do they come in to say, "Hey, we're moving in from Sims or Domino"? The most. Uh, where does the new? And remember, you need to tune in next week for the second half.